Faith, Hope and Love, episode 114, the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year B. This weekend in the readings we're reminded that our faith must show itself in action and flow into good works. And in the Gospel our Lord reminds us that following Him is not about self-interest, but about denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Him in His ways of service, sacrifice and compassion. No wonder the three theological virtues are so important and always go together. Faith that leads to hope and hope that leads to love and is practiced in action. This is Faith, Hope and Love. Give peace, O Lord, to those who wait for you, that your prophets may be found true. Hear the prayers of your servant and of your people Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Brothers and sisters, as we come together to be nourished by God's word, on this 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time, Year B, let us begin by preparing to acknowledge our sins so as to worthily celebrate the sacred mysteries. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good Receive our prayer. You are 
seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Let us pray. Look upon us, O God, Creator and Ruler of all things, and that we may feel the working of your mercy. Grant that we may serve you with all our heart, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 5 to 9. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicated me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? The Word of the Lord I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I love the Lord, for he has heard the cry of my appeal. For he turned his ear to me in the day when I called him. They surrounded me, the snares of death, with the anguish of the tomb. They taught me sorrow and distress. I called on the Lord's name. O Lord my God, deliver me. How gracious is the Lord and just. Our God has compassion. The Lord protects the simple hearts. I was helpless, so he saved me. He has kept my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I walk in the presence of the Lord, in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord, in the land of the living. A reading from the letter of St. James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or a sister is without clothing and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, 
and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. The Word of the Lord Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. May I never boast of anything except the cross of the Lord, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Chapter 8, verses 27 to 35. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about it. Then he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are thinking not as God does, but as humans do. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wants to become my follower, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. The Gospel of the Lord The readings this weekend remind us again that if we truly want to know Jesus and who he is, we need to understand what he does. Truly believing in Christ will always lead to practical actions and particular behaviours and specific attitudes, just as the truth of Jesus' identity led to wonderful and often surprising and challenging actions and attitudes from our Lord himself. Once St. Peter correctly named who Jesus is, when Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say I am? St. Peter says, You are the Christ. That is, you're God's anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus immediately then sets about teaching them what being the Christ means. And this is what utterly shocked them, as it still challenges us today. Christ, God's only Son, the Anointed One, the One who will save the people, 
must suffer grievously, die, and then rise again. What an astounding thing! It would be an understatement to say that St. Peter and the Apostles didn't think that that was the role of the Messiah when he used that term. They would have thought that he was some kind of warrior king who would come in and banish those bad Romans and set up a new earthly kingdom of God. Jesus was the hero, and the hero doesn't get mistreated and die a horrible, humiliating death. Not in most people's books. But Jesus said, You must let go of these concepts and listen to my teaching of how I, the Christ, really should be and how I am going to act. Also, just as importantly, Jesus shows us the priorities and values of God's Anointed One. He healed the sick, forgave sinners, welcomed outcasts, he looked for the lost, he invited all people to be part of God's kingdom. This was a reordering of values and priorities according to God's values. And it was bound to cause a lot of anger and hatred from those who liked things just as they were, because those people were benefiting from the status quo, at the expense of a lot of other people who were trapped in terrible situations and unable to get out. Jesus had to take on these opposing powers and resist them until they threw everything possible at him. He knew that they would not stop until they had gotten rid of him. They would try to kill him, and eventually they would succeed. And then, only then, would God's victory over their evil be revealed in its completeness. Because you cannot bury God's plans and priorities. You can't silence God's anointed one. But Jesus had to crucify all these opposing powers, taking on the poisonous fruits of their values and actions, and defeating them on the cross. This was most clearly the narrow and troubled road, but it was the only true road that Jesus and all who would follow him must take. The messiahship of Jesus is one of service, of suffering love, of self-giving love. There will be no triumph apart from the cross. To be a disciple of his is to walk this same path of service, suffering and self-giving love, self-forgetting love. The readings this weekend bear a lot of deep reflection. Take, for example, the first reading, Astounding. The Lord is my judge, not the court of human opinion or popularity. It does not even matter if others think I am or am not a faithful servant of God. All that matters is what God thinks. God is faithful and just. And more so, the Lord comes to my help so that I am untouched by the insults. Notice this very important sentence. God does not take away the insults and wrongdoing and troubles that his faithful face. Neither does God desire that they go through those things. But God does come to abide with us and in us, to support us, so that the shocks, tragedies and insults of this world that we endure because of our following of this narrow path or because of the terrible things that come up in the journey of life, so we can at all times be at peace and know that he is with us. God gives us the grace and peace of endurance to go through whatever may come. That's God's greatest gift to us. 
God does not control the outer environment or stay the hand of those who would use their freedom to be destructive. But God does give us the power to oppose and defeat all the empty and hateful ways that are not consistent with Jesus' way. I love today's second reading. It says so much. St. James says, If you say you follow Christ, but your actions and attitudes don't show that in practical ways, then your faith is dead and quite useless. It's like that modern-day witty statement, if Christianity was a crime, would they have enough evidence to convict you? Actually, you know what? I think for most Christians, certainly here in this community and communities throughout the world, there would indeed be ample evidence of their faith by their lives and actions. But most of it wouldn't be proclaimed from rooftops, let alone mentioned, except maybe quietly because we don't need to prove it to anyone else but God, because the practical outflowing of love is not done to win people's attention or admiration, but so many wonderful people daily do the most beautiful acts of kindness, love, forgiveness and practical charity for others in big and small ways. Many of these acts of kindness and love are so natural, so automatic, so humble, that most people don't even hear of it, but they are being done. And thanks be to God for all the wonderful people living their Christian values, faith showing itself in practical action. Ironically, St. Paul in the New Testament uh, has given us so much about the meaning of Christ and his death on the cross. It was such a scandal and stumbling block for the early church that the Messiah, God the Son, the Chosen One, could be allowed to die in what looked like abandonment and failure and humiliation in the eyes of the world and even, initially, in the eyes of many of his followers. It's ironic that St. Paul should reflect so much on Christ's death because St. Paul only ever met the risen Christ. Paul never met the Jesus who walked on the earth and preached the good news. St. Paul came on the scene and encountered Christ whilst Paul was travelling along the road to Damascus and it was there that God said, Why are you persecuting me? And Paul realised that the only person he was persecuting was this person he thought was a dead leader and his followers. Only then did he realise he was on the wrong track. This leader who had died was alive and risen as they said he was and that in persecuting his followers, he was persecuting Christ, the Lord and God, because his followers were his body, the body of Christ. But if St. Paul found it challenging to understand the meaning of Christ's cross, it explains why those apostles who walked with Jesus on earth and listened to his teaching found it even more difficult to comprehend Christ's teaching in this gospel. Why should Christ have to suffer? How can it be that the Lord must die? How can this be any kind of victory? How will it achieve anything? Jesus wants to make it clear to all who are following him, as if to say, I am not the one who is making false promises of success. It is liars and false prophets who promise wealth, money, gold or earthly kingship success, health or happiness in this life, I'm not offering this to you. I'm offering you 
the way of life, which is the way of the cross. The path of suffering, self-forgetting love and service, even to death. So Christ is saying, don't be under any misapprehension about what following me means. But also trust that this path will give you vindication. It will be met with God's faithfulness to you. It is the right way. Jesus asks the question, who do you say I am? Right at the halfway point of Mark's Gospel. In fact, it is the high point of the whole Gospel. He asks this question just outside a town that has monuments to Roman emperors, regarded by pagans like they were gods. At the foot of the hills where the source of the Jordan River comes from, the same river in which Jesus was baptised, and the river associated with the people being led into the promised land under God's guiding hand. Peter had rightly worked out who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Christ, a word meaning anointed one. But the reasons Jesus silenced him as soon as he says it and rebukes him when he makes a mistake about what to do next is that Jesus was now setting about carefully teaching them, re-educating them into the right understanding of what it really means to be God's Messiah, not an earthly king, not a revolutionary who will bring war and retribution upon the Romans, not one who is offering earthly success in the eyes of the world. And this goes against the common expectations and understandings of the time. It's going to be hard to get these mistaken concepts out of their heads. And who would want to follow someone who only promises the cross? But it's only those who believe, who can trust this path, leads to the truth, life and life to the full. But it does require a leap of faith and perseverance and, unfortunately, suffering. Jesus calls us to follow him and not try to lead him. St. Peter tried to lead Jesus in today's Gospel, and Jesus quickly sets him straight. It's possible to believe in who Jesus is, but then spend our time trying to water down his message, or to try and take the challenging edges off it. Jesus wants us to acknowledge the presence of the cross in our lives, and in the lives of every person. Not denying the cross, not avoiding it, not pretending that life is capable of being lived without the crosses that each of us uniquely must live. Jesus wasn't desiring suffering. He wasn't demanding the cross for its own sake. He wasn't welcoming difficulty in this life any more than he would wish us to suffer. He went about healing people and assisting them during his ministry. But being faithful to the truth of the gospel will necessarily mean suffering. Jesus knew that each person has their cross to bear. For each of us there are some things that cannot be avoided. And so we're invited to live with these crosses in ways that are loving, hopeful, giving, and which shows grace and gentleness, allowing God to transform the crosses into means of life, grace and love. To try and avoid the cross in our life is to live dishonestly, it is a hard concept to pin down. Naturally, we're meant to do everything to try and heal and help reduce people's burdens. But we know there are some burdens that even if we try to avoid them, it might mean selling out on the values that really matter 
or it would mean not really living fully. It would mean not paying the price for justice, forgiveness and support for those in real practical need. And for all of us, eventually, there will be one definitive cross that each of us cannot escape at different times and in different ways, not of our choosing. And that's where God's grace is there to help and save us. Ultimately, the teaching of Jesus about the cross is actually a lesson in hope. Jesus giving us the best message we could hope to know, no matter what happens in our life even if everything could possibly go pear-shaped and nothing seems to be ending well. Our Lord is calling us to put our trust in him completely, that the difficult journeys that we are called to take through life will eventually be vindicated and God will be faithful to us and ultimately with the resurrection and eternal life in Christ. And that gives us all the strength we need to endure whatever comes following the example of Jesus who goes ahead of us through it all. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The disciples were called to renounce their selfishness, to follow the Lord's way, and not necessarily their own way. We pray that our minds and spirits will be open to our God. That all baptised people may have the faith to recognise Christ and respond to his call. Lord, hear us. That our world leaders will not abuse the power entrusted to them but shape a society that is just and compassionate. Lord, hear us. That our local church communities may practice our faith through good deeds. Lord, hear us. That the judicial system may promote the dignity of all human life and serve justice and truth. Lord, hear us. For all who are in ill health, that the Lord will give them healing, strength and peace. Lord, hear us. That those who have died may now find life in the eternal kingdom, especially those for whom we now pray. Lord, hear us. Lord God, exhorted by your word and the example of your Son, you have shown that life's meaning is found not only in ourselves. May these prayers bring us closer to you and to each other. 
We ask you to grant these prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Look with favour on our supplications, O Lord, and in your kindness accept these, your servants' offerings, that what each has offered to the honour of your name may serve the salvation of all. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For when your children were scattered afar by sin, through the blood of your Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, you gathered them again to yourself, that a people formed as one by the unity of the Trinity, made the body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit, might, to the praise of your manifold wisdom, be manifest as the Church. And so in company with choirs of angels, we praise you and with joy we proclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. At the Saviour's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. How precious is your mercy, O God! The children of men seek shelter in the shadow of your wings. Let us pray. May the working of this heavenly gift, O Lord, we pray, take possession of our minds and bodies, so that its effects and not our own desires may always prevail in us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Faith, Hope and Love, a time of Christian worship and reflection, led by Rev. Paul W. Kelly. 
texts are used for the purpose of worship and prayer for listeners wherever you are. The Roman Missal, Prayers and Chants, 3rd edition, copyright 2010, the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. The Bible, New Revised Standard Version, copyright 1989 and 2009, National Council of Churches of Christ, USA. The Psalms, copyright 1963, The Grail, Collins Publisher. Prayers of the Faithful, Robert Borg's Together We Pray, 1993, E.J. Dwyer, Australia. Mass for St. Ralph Sherwin, Geoffrey M. Ostrovsky, featuring the Gloria, copyright 2011, www.ccwatershed.org, forward slash Charbonnel. Faith, Hope and Love, theme, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13, Original music, copyright 1996, Paul W. Kelly. For more details, please visit homilycatholic.blogspot.com.au Production by Kelly Enterprises Resources. May God bless and keep you.